0: Welcome to Sustainable AF, otherwise known as everything you ever wanted to know about sustainability, but were too afraid to ask.
1: This series discusses the UN Sustainable Development Goals. In every episode, we're going to explore a particular goal, what it is, why it matters and how we can address it.
0: Every week, we're going to be looking more closely at the systems that underpin the way we live and try and work out where we can identify actions to, take to change the world for better.
1: This week, we're going to talk about SDG six, the need for clean water and sanitation. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that access to soap and water for hygiene is critical to our survival. But water has been an issue for many years. The goal is that by 2030, we're going to ensure the availability and access of water and the sustainable management of water and sanitation for everyone.
0: Sounds good to me. This feels like a story about the developing world, but because of the pandemic in California, there are unpaid water bills of over $1 billion, and many people are currently at risk of having their water cut off. That's 1.6 million people are facing having their water shut off in California. Think about that. It's crazy. These people were okay when the state prevented from acting on shutoffs, but what happens when things return to normal and the crisis is over? Those debts still have to be paid, and some people just might not be able to afford to pay for them. Often, by people who haven't been working because of the pandemic. People cannot live without drinking water and they're not safe without access to water for hygiene. When you think about it, water is the most basic form of PPE.
1: And there's a growing recognition of future scarcity amongst investors, with trading and water futures having started on the California exchanges. This is a complicated issue because on one hand, trading rights to access to water sounds like the beginning of a dystopian novel. At the same time though, the idea of turning water from a public good into a tradable market good is intended to turn that commodity into an economic good and allow market forces to push more efficient management. Like most things, the proof is gonna be in the pudding and that's gonna depend on how well the markets are realigned. If it's focused on profit above all, it could really become a problem.
0: So let's take a step back and look at the big picture. There've been lots of overall progress But in 2017, 2.2 billion people around the world still didn't have access to safely managed drinking water, while 4.2 billion people lacked safely managed sanitation. In 2015, and I know that's old data, but not much has changed, two in five healthcare facilities worldwide had no soap, no water and definitely no alcohol-based hand rubs. Just think about that for a second. Three billion people lack basic hand washing facilities and globally 80% of water is just thrown away. This system is really broken.
1: And the water that's thrown away matters because of how finite water is. Less than 3% of all water on earth is drinkable. Water circulates throughout our environment from the land to the sky and back again. It evaporates in the sun, in rivers, lakes, and seas, and then condenses into clouds. As these cool off, water falls as rain, and that replenishes groundwater, aquifers, as well as rivers, lakes, and seas. Understanding how this has got out of balance is key to understanding how we should manage and maintain our freshwater supplies. Today, that water cycle is being fundamentally changed by the impact of human activity. From groundwater over extraction, the pollution of freshwater, and the waste of what we do actually have. It's affecting the fertility of land. It's causing desertification and flooding. Glacial melt is affecting land and the seas, although we will talk about this more in SDG 14, which is life underwater and all about the oceans.
0: And when you think about it, what this really teaches us is the circular nature of how the environment works. Everything is reused and recycled and contributes in every elemental stage. If we are truly going to manage the water crisis, we need to think about every part of our economy in a circular way, just like nature.
1: So if we look at the wider picture, with increasing challenges in weather patterns and the distribution of water, estimates have been made that water scarcity could displace 700 million people in the next 10 years. If you can't live where you were, where are you gonna go? This is another symptom of a system that isn't working. The ecosystem for necessary rainfall, floodwaters driven by floating glaciers, like in India, Seawater entering the water table like in Bangladesh. These are challenges that have to be faced and dealt with if we're going to manage the transition to the next stage of life on Earth.
0: Further to the developing world, if we carry on the trajectory that we're on with anthropogenic climate change and the warming of the Earth, it won't be long before New York's underwater. Like many of the SDGs, you can look at access to clean water and hygiene as a human right. If we're looking to improve health and well-being, infant mortality and so on, we can't live with the idea that around just shy of two billion people drink water contaminated with faeces. Sewage systems really matter. Think about this. Around the world, over 80% of wastewater created by human activity is released into rivers and seas. What's that doing to the seas that we fish and eat from?
1: And in the developed world, around 100, 150 years ago, governments decided that individuals managing their own water and sewage was a health risk. In the UK, the Victorians built a network of sewage systems, and that led the way for governments around the world to spend large sums of money building complex networks to manage water and sanitation. This did dramatically improve public health and the quality of life. That was a huge step forward for all of us. The trouble is, like any system that gets old, upgrades and investment in infrastructure are needed, and that's what's happening today. But the cost of upgrading these massive infrastructure projects is huge, and the question is, who should pay for them? The private companies we buy our water from, or the taxpayer who uses the infrastructure? Should they be upgraded in different ways? Should there be an increased focus on recycling water at home and in the water system? According to the UN, some countries have got gaps of over 60% in terms of the money they have versus the money they need to achieve their water and sanitation goals in the next decade.
0: At present, all over the world, millions of gallons of hormones, faeces and other pollution is just dumped into the water system without any treatment, which add to the problem of water and sanitation related diseases are one of the major causes of death in the under fives. That's over 800 Children a day die from diarrhoea diseases linked to hygiene. That's
1: crazy. So we know we need better infrastructure and management The treatment of water. We need to prevent waste spillage and contamination. And it's not just the people it has an impact on directly. The negative impact on biodiversity, on agriculture and forest development is seriously bad. It undermines the very resilience of the system that's needed to support everything that we do as people, from living and working and growing and eating and playing, all of it. It's actually worth taking a look at the Dasgupta report on the economics of biodiversity that came out recently, building on Teeb's work earlier this century. We need to find entirely new ways to measure wealth, understand return and realign investment flows towards what we do want. We need to find a way of valuing nature in a different way.
0: Absolutely. And if you think we have economic capital, we also have new classifications now. You have social capital, you have natural capital. When you start factoring these into asset classes and moving the world forward, it makes it a lot more interesting pricing nature into economic systems because they do have a value. We have to remember the costs that are incurred, not simply on the individual in terms of suffering or death, but the implications for society and the economy overall not investing in water and sanitation, is reported to cost 4% of sub-Saharan Africa's GDP. If people can't work, if children can't thrive and learn, what happens to the economic engine of the economy? How do you expect to drive economic development if you've got no clean water? It doesn't make for a happy development pathway.
1: So there's a lot we need to do. We need to firm up rules on pollution and discharge, but we also need to get sanitary facilities out to places where there's no infrastructure. Education in basic hygiene practices is needed. Look at how the maternal mortality rate in London in the 19th century was brought down when one doctor started washing his hands between patients. It seems so obvious to us now, but it, ha- you know, it had to start somewhere. At the same time, we need to protect freshwater resources for us to drink, to irrigate crops, to support biodiversity. But we also need to increase water efficiency and stop removing fresh water without considering consequences.
0: It's really important to point out and understand that only 3% of water on Earth is considered fresh water and 70% of that fresh water globally is used for irrigation and agriculture. Often a lack of clean water means a corresponding lack of food because communities are unable to grow their own. About 84% of people who don't have access to clean water actually live on subsistence agriculture, which means they are completely dependent on growing their own food to survive. And when the climate changes and it makes it even more difficult in these zones to grow because they have less water, that means they have to move.
1: So there are real issues that need to be overcome, not least of which is the belief that water is just something that everyone should have. But everyone pays for it somehow, whether that's in bills to terms water or in the four daily trips that young children can be taking to collect water from a communal well. Not just a loss of education, but in hours that an adult would have to spend instead. Children could get back to school instead of collecting dirty water all day or being sick from waterborne illnesses. Parents could find more time to care for their families, expand minimal farming to sustainable levels and even run small businesses. We talked about sub-Saharan Africa and the impact of the loss of GDP. It's been estimated 40 billion hours a year are spent hauling water. That's a crazy number. If you just try to imagine the scale, that's as much as the annual labour undertaken by the workforce of France.
0: That is a wholly unproductive use of time and the opportunity cost of time. So we're talking about consequences and that means we're talking about externalities again. What damage will be done by particular activities and how can that damage be made part of the cost of doing business? Above and beyond drinking water and sanitation there are two key issues here and that is industry and agriculture.
1: So we need to think about the role of industrial mismanagement in extraction, pollution and waste. Industry accounts for roughly 19% of global water withdrawals, while the agricultural supply chain for 70%. In terms of industrial activity, what we consume and how matters. I mean, I don't know if any of you know how much water it takes to make a cheap throwaway cotton t-shirt. Some estimates suggest it's over 27,000 liters. Do you know how much a human being needs to drink every day to stay alive? Between two to four liters, depending on their size. To meet basic needs and protect overall public health, around 50 litres is needed daily. I know it's not a straight exchange, but 540 people's drinking for every T-shirt. It's crazy.
0: And the most frustrating thing is there are companies and manufacturers out there that are doing this with so much less water. The technology is completely available and we're gonna get into that. In terms of agriculture, Access to water and retention of water are both completely critical. However, due to current global agricultural practices, billions of acres of land suffer from poor infiltration rates due to to soil compaction and bare soil being abundant. This means very little water is retained in the ground and runoff is prolific, which causes a huge amount of erosion. That means masses of agricultural pollutants like chemical fertilizers, run off the land as it crumbles away, taking not only precious nutrients from the ground, but then carrying it out to sea and creating dead zones like the Gulf of Mexico, where fish just can't survive because they've had the composition of the water completely changed, as well as, let's not forget the floods and landslides that that water runoff creates as it goes out to sea. So basically, farming uh, is exacerbating this problem. However, there are some farming practices that allow for greater infiltration and therefore minimize flooding and runoff and in turn this reduces the need to water farms fields using the public water supply
1: the thing we need to remember here is that the benefits of taking action can be incredibly positive and really large there is a real impact that can be seen for every investment in water and sanitation every dollar invested generates around eight dollars worth of health time and productivity. The World Health Organization has calculated that for every dollar invested there can be an economic benefit of up to thirty four dollars. Clean water is a factor in poverty, health, inequality, education, energy and food because often energy takes water and water is needed to grow crops so we have to find a way of balancing all of these different things.
0: From an investment perspective that is an absolute no-brainer. So We've highlighted and we know what the problems are, but what we really want to talk to you about today is how we find the solutions and what the solutions are. There are obvious advantages of people being hydrated and healthier, have access to clean water and sanitation, as well as hygiene. This is what's known collectively as WASH, which has a profound wider socioeconomic impact, particularly for women and girls. When you address health, poverty, hunger, education, clean water and sanitation together, it sets up a really nice foundation for a sustainable development path. So how do we get to them?
1: So there are really three main problems we're facing. The limited amount of water that exists on Earth, the balance between drinkable clean water and dirty water in places we don't want, like after floods, and how to build resilient infrastructure.
0: The thing that really needs to be understood is that overall access to clean water is a global issue, but it's one that that needs to be dealt with on a local level. It's individuals and communities that are affected. So clean water needs to be local. Recycling can be local, commercial and industrial, and then we've got to look at building out access to water, perhaps through desalination.
1: Now, there are amazing technologies that can help out on the ground locally. In the U.S., a local water filtration system called the Water Box was set up to help people in Flint, Michigan, filter the lead out of their water. In Kenya, magic water generates water from humidity in the air. Apparently, there's six times more water in the air than there is in all the rivers on Earth. Obviously, that won't work in dry areas, and both of those systems need electricity to work, but it's an amazing opportunity.
0: Totally. In terms of sanitation, some of the oldest ideas work best. Old societies used to have individuals that collected waste from our homes. In Tudor times, they were called gong farmers. However, this has been replicated. In Kenya, Sanivation provides toilets for individual homes. The waste is collected once a week, treated, and then is used as a biochar instead of tree charcoal. This keeps people so much healthier in really impoverished areas. It provides finance for operations in the sale of this biochar, and it also saves trees, as well as being a low-carbon fuel. It's awesome.
1: So there's a great documentary, which Alex introduced me to, called Brave Blue World, that talks about all the different technologies that already exist and the fact that we've got solutions to the water problems we face. The fact is that the challenge is not ingenuity and innovation, but politics and policies, enabling people to solve problems. Um, One approach is that used by WaterAid, which provides microloans to fund local filtration systems. Instead of spending $60 a month on bottled water, a filtration system can be paid off at a few dollars a month. And for those of you interested in the economics of microloans, there's a 99% repayment rate. That's far higher than any debt repayment rate in the developed world. Our default rates are significantly more than that, at like 15 to 20% sometimes.
0: Yeah, again, from an investment perspective, that's an amazing stat. But there's so much more than creating and filtering local water. Recycling of water, whether that's through rainwater harvesting in buildings, which is basically free once you've set up that infrastructure, or water efficiency, which saves you money, whether you're a business or an individual, through energy use, which has a, which plays a hugely important role. Most of the water we use is discarded and we have to start thinking about water in a different way and how you can interact that with energy, especially renewable energy.
1: And this is actually really important when it comes to water treatment, because that's very energy intensive. Um, But there's also issues about how we could actually perhaps attempt to refill aquifers. In Orange County in California, there are attempts to refill depleted aquifers with treated water because the natural processes of replenishing groundwater can't keep up with growing demand. The idea of recycling water has always fascinated me because mindset plays such an important role. I remember back in the 80s, the joke in London was that we had the cleanest water in the world as it had been through at least 27 kidneys. But yet in Australia, when it's recent drought, some residents were horrified at the idea of drinking treated sewage. They won't be going into space anytime soon.
0: (laughs) It's all about mindset. And if you think about somewhere like Mexico City that has a population of over 30 million, that city was built upon an aquifer. And as it's drained, the city is actually sinking into uh, that aquifer they really need to focus on getting that thing filled back up if they still want to live there. Now, we've talked a lot about nature and biodiversity, but what a lot of people don't realise is how important the lessons that we learn from nature are. A company called Aquaporin is commercialising the use of a cell protein called aquaporins, which are responsible for transporting and purifying water in all living cells.
1: So there is a marvellous opportunity in biomimicry in actually learning from what we're surrounded by. But there's another opportunity we haven't actually talked about, which is interesting, and that's mining wastewater. There's so much energy in wastewater from organic matter to oxygen. It's often full of phosphorus, which is bad for sewage water because it encourages algal growth. But if you can extract it from sewage water, it can become a fertilizer. There's energy generated from wastewater too. Whether that's by growing algae and turning it into biogas, like Aqualia does, or taking a different approach, there are really interesting ways that we can keep water within the economic life cycle. And fundamentally
0: make money from a waste product, which has got to be interesting to anyone. We can also look at improving the water use in manufacturing. And this is a really important one. That can be driven by government, dictates about preserving water of preventing pollution, but the innovation is needed to achieve the goals. L'Oreal, for example, has developed the concept of a dry factory where they don't take in any external water, but through efficiency and recycling remain independent from the local water demand.
1: Technology can let us do other things as well. We can start looking at how we can make seawater drinkable. That's been an important topic for many years, especially in the Middle East and Africa. But the problem is, is that historically desalination has been incredibly expensive and incredibly energy intensive. In places like the UAE, for example, only 5% of the land is arable and there's very little potable water. Groundwater provides just around 50 percent of the entire UAE's water supply, with desalination providing 37 percent and around 12 percent being reclaimed and recycled. And that's used for irrigation. But according to Mazda, seawater desalination in the UAE requires 10 times more energy than surface freshwater production. And its cost is projected to increase by 300% as water demand increases.
0: Just to get a bit nerdy for a second, the majority of desalination plants today use reverse osmosis, which brings problems of brine water disposal, high energy requirements, and high capital costs. But if you replace that with a solar thermal distillation process, which is where solar PV has a significant role to play in the energy production, you can address that brine in seawater as well as other contaminants too take a look at the work of desalinator is doing in the sundan delta in india it's fascinating
1: so desalination approaches remind us of the importance of remembering energy in these technologies and opportunities and that's one of the reasons why it's so important we combine work on clean water and sanitation with work on clean energy it's also related to responsible production and consumption how we make cities more sustainable If we can combine rainwater harvesting and treatment in residential buildings, we could transform a city's water footprint. And once again, we're talking about the system and how we can make it work better.
0: It's really obvious that we have the necessary solutions to solve the water crisis. When it comes to water, we can purify it at a molecular level, create it out of air, create new materials and approaches to processing and manufacturing. We can even generate energy with it. All of that, on top of keeping us alive and fed. It's amazing.
1: So what we need is education. And I don't just mean education about hygiene practices, which is incredibly important, but about how we can change the world around us. Storytelling is really important. We need really high levels of public engagement and awareness of regional water supply and wastewater treatment issues. They may not sound exciting, but they're really important. There needs to be a framework within which innovators and entrepreneurs can create new solutions and implement them. So that education needs to be for governments too. They need to understand their role in framing an environment where these technologies can thrive.
0: I really wonder how many of our listeners knew about this issue and the challenges we face. Finance too needs education. We've talked before about the need for inclusion of externalities in the price of activities that damage people environment. But let's flip it on its head. Let's look at understanding the benefits, the costs saved over the long run and the lives improved and saved. Look at the bigger picture and the longer term. We're seeing that now in the growing sector interest of ESG and climate risk. But we've still got a long way to go to get away from any greenwashing and truly sustainable development and investment within that development.
1: So it's another complicated topic, but we've got solutions and we know how we can move forward. What we hope we've done today, though, is just show you how damaging lack of access to clean water and sanitation could be and how many solutions exist to the problem. As ever, we just want to start the conversation. So let us know what you think.
0: So join us again next week as we continue our journey to becoming Sustainable AF.